If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at uh, at least a portion of this uh, passage this morning and uh, prayerfully uh, glean truths that will transform our lives. If you've been with us for any significant length of time, maybe six months or longer, um, you've heard me mention a few times that if you ever get a chance to meet anyone from our first ministry, our first church, you should say thank you to them. And so this morning, our friends uh, Judy and, and her daughter Barbara with us this morning. Judy and her husband were a part of our first church outside of Punxsutawney. And 20 years ago, we showed up on their doorstep and they probably looked at us and saw this young whippersnapper thinking, oh, Lord. <laughs> but they were so gracious and loving us and supporting us in ministry, and we're just grateful that you're here with us today. So if you want to form a line afterwards thanking them, they, they really, like, just they took a lot of lumps on behalf of a young pastor, kind of learning and refining and things, and they were always so gracious. So we're grateful that you're here. You don't have to know much about American history to know the significance of July 4th, 1776. That's the day when the Continental Congress uh, gathered together and passed what John Adams called the most important resolution ever taken in America. It's what he said at the time. Um, Of course, uh, we call it the Declaration of Independence. The key statement in that document read as follows, and I quote, Resolved that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And so it was the birth of a new independent nation. And that day has been marked ever since as the birth of our country. We celebrate it every year by the more popular name, the 4th of July, but its official name is Independence Day. Now, as we come to Proverbs chapter 3, I want to go exactly in the opposite direction. Because I believe that Proverbs chapter 3 is a declaration of dependence for every Christian. And I think every day, every day that we have, every opportunity that God gives us to draw breath ought to be a dependence day upon Him. That's a hard thing to admit, even for people like us that love Jesus and know that He loves us is that we need Him every moment. That apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Now, I know we know those things here, but how often in our lives do we find ourselves trying to walk a life of partnership with God? We'll do our part, and when we can't do it, 
he can do his part. And that's the antithesis of what Scripture teaches. That we draw every breath from him. And without his grace and mercy guiding us, without his word giving counsel as a light to our feet, we are hopelessly lost. And so we desperately need to know just how dependent we are upon him. In these opening chapters in Proverbs, we've looked at the foundation of wisdom. And, I, and we've been talking about wisdom often in this book because that's really the, the main theme of it. Wisdom, the application of God's truth. How God's truth sinks into our lives in very practical ways for us to live it out in a way that honors Him. And God's Word is very clear. It's very simple for us to understand. He's not trying to hide anything from us. He's not trying to confuse us. He's not trying to lead us in a way that we often think, okay, now what? Now what? His Word is clear. And as we've been looking in the opening chapters in Proverbs, we've laid this foundation that wisdom begins when we fear God. When we come to the end of ourselves and acknowledge that God is significantly greater than we are. In chapter 2 from a few weeks ago now, uh, Dale shared some of the warnings, some of the consequences, some of the, the siren alerts of, hey, if you reject this teaching, if you avoid this teaching, this is the trouble that can visit you. And so now in chapter 3, as we look at this passage, Solomon, who's the writer of this passage, builds on the foundation of seeking wisdom, but in a much more positive light. We're looking at wisdom's reward this morning. We're looking at the, the fruit of trusting God and where He leads us and what He can do in our lives. But wisdom's true reward is only found when we come to the end of ourselves. And it can only be found when we utterly depend upon Him. And so the passage, beginning in verse 1, begins with a call. We read in Proverbs chapter 3 these words, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. And so the passage begins with a call. It's the call of a father who loves his child. And Solomon is calling out to his son, and he says to him, Remember, don't forget. Now you get the sense when you read this this call in verse one that Solomon isn't saying, Hey, remember that one time in that one conversation long ago I brought up this idea of wisdom? Like this wasn't something that they talked about one moment 
And then they went on living their lives doing something else. When Solomon calls his child to listen to wisdom's call, he's basing it on that rooted understanding that the foundation of their relationship in their home was trusting and believing in God's truth. And out of the overflow of that, this is how you live. And so when he reminds his son to listen and not forget his teaching, his son would say, oh, right, dad, I remember all those moments when you continually told us the ways of God and how God's truth transforms our lives. Solomon is calling his son to remember how to apply God's truth in a world that is crooked. Now, the teaching referred to here can refer to the Scriptures. When he says, My son, do not forget my teaching. Now, that word teaching in the Hebrew comes from the word Torah, and it's the word that we know that describes the Old Testament Scriptures. But here, what's interesting, when we look at Proverbs 3.1, when Solomon writes, My son, do not forget, not just teaching, but he says, my teaching, the better understanding of the teaching is really those foundational truths of mom and dad, the parents, that use the word of God to come alongside of their children and skillfully encourage them in the ways of God. And so these would be God's truth through the, the teaching and guidance of mom and dad as they raised their children in the home. Solomon calls for his son to remember the normal, persistent, unrelenting teaching of their home. Now, initially, that should tell us that if we have children under our care, the primary responsibility that we have as parents is to teach them God's truth, that it happens in the home, that it doesn't happen only at church or it doesn't happen in a secondary place, but that God's will for the Christian home is that mom and dad faithfully teach the scriptures and not only the facts about the scriptures or the familiar Bible verses, but how to apply God's truth in their lives. And so Solomon, writing to his son, says, listen, don't forget all those moments, all that time that we've spent together. Now, as we look at this passage a little further, I want to pause just for a second, and I want us to notice something of a, a point of emphasis in Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 8 especially, but you find it really all throughout the book. In just these eight verses, three times Solomon calls our attention to our hearts. In verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. In verse 3, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then again in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The heart is important. And not just in a physical sense to to make sure that it can keep pumping blood and, you know, keeping us alive and all those things, but the heart in a biblical sense is a very important understanding for us to know. The, The heart is not the seat of emotions as we consider it today. 
It's not the place that, that we describe in songs and in, in uh, books and in movies and in, sorry, Hallmark movies. Um, that, you know, is the feeling center where, oh, I have a broken heart. Oh, I feel sad today. The heart in a biblical sense is the essence of who we are. It is us. It's the place that defines us as a person. The call in Proverbs is to keep wisdom so close to who we are that it's the very essence of our hearts. Let wisdom define us. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart with all diligence. I wonder how often we actually consider, we think about how everything that is around us is affecting our hearts. Who we spend time with, what we listen to, what we talk about, where we let our minds go when we're worried or anxious, or what we celebrate when we're joyful. All of those opportunities can either bring us closer to the Lord or draw us further away. And so with all diligence, protect your heart. Guard your heart. When Solomon says to his son in verse 1, keep my commandments, that word keep means to watch over or guard with vigilance. Keep the commandments Guard them, protect them. Don't let any other counsel come in. Listen, if you hear anything else that sounds contrary to the clear teaching of the Word of God, avoid it, run from it, protect, guard, keep. If you want a New Testament reminder of a challenge like this, read First and Second Timothy. As the Apostle Paul reminds this young pastor, Timothy, again and again and again to protect the teaching of sound doctrine. Because without sound teaching, without the protection of God's Word, our minds, our hearts, they run everywhere. Because everything has been affected by the fall of man. Keep the commandments of wisdom. And in verse 2, he writes, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now, the blessing for staying close to wisdom is a peaceful life. If you stay close to wisdom, you will have a peaceful life. But I also want to stop and, and just for a moment say what the passage isn't saying. That if you listen to the word of God and live a wise life, you will live a long life. Emphatically. Guaranteed. And I say that because, listen, we know many godly people that did not live very long lives in the world's standards. They didn't have a lot of years, whether due to illness or accident or tragedy and so we can't look at Proverbs 3, 2 and, and come up with this proof text that if I read the Bible and I live it out, I'm going to live a long, long, long life here on the earth. 
It's more of a principle kind of thing. It's not that the promises of Proverbs 3 fail in those situations. Only the Lord knows how many days we will have. In fact, the Scriptures tell us He has all of our days written in His book. But the principle is that if we fear God, if we seek wisdom, if we guard His truth in our hearts, we will live longer than those who live according to the world's standards. Because God knows best. The characteristic that marks a long life is rooted in wisdom and peace. Now that word peace is the the Hebrew word shalom. That deep residing rest that comes from knowing that there is union with God. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ personally, if you have trusted in Him as Lord and Savior, you have for certain been reconciled to God. And you have peace with Him. And that peace is not just, okay, I feel good. That peace is positional. That peace guarantees that we can stand before His holiness, forgiven, redeemed, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And even though we have sin in our lives, it has been paid for and taken from us through the blood of Jesus. And we have peace with God. And so there is never a moment in your life when you are in Christ where you can be in a relationship with God that is not regulated by His peace. There is never a moment where you can think, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do now? Everything is in turmoil. He guarantees and secures our peace through the person of His Son, Jesus. And when you follow His Word, your life is rooted in peace. Here the Father is saying, pay attention, listen, with all the noise that culture is throwing at us. How many of you go through your day and you feel like there is just so many competing voices all around you of what you should do, how you should live your life, what you should pursue, how you should think about certain things like, where should I go to school? What should I study? Where, who should I marry? What should they look like? All those things again and again beating against us. And it just seems like, you know, in my mind, I think of like all the thought bubbles. They just like pop up all the time. I didn't even rehearse that. That came out really well. But, you know, they're all around us. And it's like, where do we turn? Where do we go? And that was why so much I appreciated that song. Where do we turn, Lord? Where else can we turn? He has the words of eternal life. When we set our hearts on God's wisdom, God promises to give us peace. If we pay attention to His voice, we will have peace. Listen, what Solomon is writing isn't anything brand new to us, but it reminds us that the heart is the security system for our soul. 
The heart is the security system for our soul. Every day, Satan and his system in this world is trying to rob you of the length of your days and the amount of peace that you have in this life. Keep his commandments. Our problem is not just our wandering wills. Our problem is our false beliefs. Our mind gives credit to lies. We forget. We ignore And that is why our Father is saying, stay alert. Stay alert to my truth moment by moment. My teaching alone can make you lie down in green pastures. It can lead you beside still waters. Pay attention to the gospel of the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you'll guard my teaching in your heart, you will experience true shalom. Then we read in verse 3, a call to devotion. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Be sold out. Be committed. This is where dependence comes in. We're not called to live freely independent lives. We are called to live wholly dependent lives on the person of Jesus Christ. And we have to be sold out and committed to who Jesus is. Now the word kindness that we read in verse 3. Do not let kindness is the word hesed. It's often used in the Old Testament to describe the Lord. In Exodus 34, verse 6, then the Lord passed by in the front of him. And this is the moment when Moses wants to see God. He wants to have this experience. And God says, okay, I'll let you experience me experience who I am, but not the way that you're asking. And so the, this, the Lord passed by in the front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, hesed and truth. This is who God is. He is a God of loving kindness. This word for kindness here that, that Solomon uses in verse 3 focuses on the faithfulness to the obligations that occur in a relationship. When he says to his son, do not let kindness and truth leave you, he's calling his son to the faithfulness that is demanded when you are in a relationship with who God is. Our devotion to God's truth should be sought after. Should be sought after. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That phrase, bind them on your neck, reminds us of Deuteronomy 6. And we read these verses a few weeks ago, but just to remind you, this is uh, in Deuteronomy 6, what is referred to as the Shema, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And what do you do with it? Well, in in Deuteronomy 6, verses 8 and 9, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Solomon is saying to his son, as you trust God, as you walk by faith with him, as you follow his commands, his truth should be all over you. It should be written all over you. It should be adorned as a necklace as you bind it around your neck. Some of you wear necklaces. You're adorning your neck. What, Mr. T wears a lot of them. I digress. That was for you, Jeff. Uh, but what would it look like for us to adorn ourselves with God's truth? That we bind them around our neck 
to let everyone know around us that His truth is what we value. And His truth, and I use this phrase very loosely, okay? His truth makes us look good as we adorn them around our neck. His kindness, His truth. And the Father says, write them on the tablet of your heart. I love that phrase. And the tablet of the heart is used in various places in the Old Testament. It's used in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, with the new covenant, that God wants to write His law, not on tablets of stone, you know, if you have like a hammer and a chisel and you're like, that's not what he wants. He doesn't want some cold, sterile kind of thing. He wants his word written on our hearts and the flesh of our hearts. He wants it embedded in who we are. Now, we are often let down by others and the truth of, the, of this world leads us down a dead end path. But the wisdom of God leads to life. Truth that comes from God is to become a part of who we are. It's a sign of who we are. And then we read in verse 4, So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. The reward for esteeming, protecting, and guarding wisdom is that we will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Repute refers to success. Our reputation a successful reputation. You notice what the, the father says to the son? He says, if you follow the teachings of God's word, you will find success with God and man. But here's the thing. Don't we often get that mixed up? Don't we often look for the success of man first? The applause of man And the Father says, no, keep God in His rightful position. Seek Him first. And the position is of gratitude. And while we should know this, we are reminded that God is honored when we seek Him, and and as a result, we gain His favor. He is pleased with us when we keep His Word. Let me say that again, because some of you might need to hear that. God is pleased with you when you keep His Word. And I'm not saying that because I sense that you're a person that doesn't always keep his word and you are known more by not keeping his word. But I know this, when temptation comes, isn't the, the gratification in that temptation to say, that's eh, no big deal this time. But God is pleased with you when you keep his word. Can I say in very simple terms this? If you live a selfless life, being honest, living with integrity, you will find God's favor. If you are selfish and a jerk, I know I said jerk in church, you will generally find favor with men but not with the Lord
And so what do we do? We trust in the Lord with all our hearts. We lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight. That's what it's going to take. This is what wisdom requires. Here we find ourselves examining those all-too-familiar all too verses in Proverbs. Now, let me ask you before we unpack the text and talk about what it means and all those things. What will, according to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, what will it require from you to find the blessing that is promised at the end of verse 6, that God will make our paths straight? What will it require? Trust. Will it require partial trust? Somewhat trust? Kind of when it works out kind of trust? Will it require a part of you? No. It's, it's going to require all of who you are. All of you. Every part of you. In verses 5 and 6, the father calls his son to three commands followed by an or a conditional reward. So there's three commands followed by a conditional reward. First is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now it may help you, but you may want to circle the word all. That's a little word. Doesn't seem very significant. But it's completely significant when you're trying to figure out what it means to have a life that is going to find God's blessing. It's going to take your whole heart. The verse doesn't say, trust in the Lord when things work out for you or when life is good or trust in the Lord when you go to church and then you leave church and then you can go back living a secondary separate life. No, the, the scriptures call us to trust God with all of our heart. And just so you have a complete understanding of what it means, it's not rocket science, but the word in the Hebrew for all means whole. Everything. The whole part of it. Now here's the challenge. Our hearts often lie to us. In Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick, who can understand it? And you might think, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to trust the Lord, but you're telling me my heart is sick. What do I do? How does this work? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Because your sick heart is going to have a running dialogue within you, saying, now you don't really need to with this issue. Now you don't really need to trust God. You know what's best for you. Follow your heart. <laughs> like all that, all those emotional pithy sayings that we say, you know, the, the heart is where we need to follow. Now, don't listen to your heart. Your heart's lying to you. But a heart that is surrendered to who Jesus is is a heart that is surrendered wholly to the Lord will lead you to straight paths. 
Wisdom says that a life that sees God's God's greatest blessings is rooted in trusting God with all that we are. Now, this word trust can also mean faith. The word trust means to have full confidence in the object of what you are believing. Trust in the Lord. When you came in here this morning and you sat down in, in the seats that you're in, you're trusting that they are built in a way that can hold you up. And you didn't even think about it. You are now. But you didn't when you sat down. You thought, I, I have full confidence that when I sit down, it, I'm not going to fall to the ground. Because gravity is working against the seat that you're sitting in. And so you have to have confidence in that. You have to trust that the way that it was fashioned and built will hold you up. And so this word, trust, means to throw oneself down on your face. To lie down in complete reliance. It's a life of utter dependence on God. To trust in the Lord with all of your heart is to live a life of utter dependence. Not independence, but dependence on God. Church, that takes great faith. It really does. But the confidence we have is not in the facts of a blessed life that the Bible teaches. Like, listen, there are good things in in Proverbs. And I can say, here are the fruits, the rewards of living a life of wisdom. And you can check all of those off and say, okay, that's good, and that's good, and that's good, and that's good. But that's not the reason why we do any of those things. It's just the additional blessing that comes. Our confidence is in the one who made us, who loves us, who has redeemed us, who doesn't give up on us, and upholds us when we are weak. Our confidence is in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Second, do not lean on your own understanding. Trust and lean are very close in meaning. Trusting means to have full confidence. Leaning is not just, you know, reclining against. This isn't what leaning means in the sense of what Solomon is saying. Now, this word leaning means to rely on it totally for support. To rely on it totally for support. Do not lean, do not rest your life, do not put that stake in the ground and say, all that I am is leaning against my own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. And so there are some questions that we can ask ourselves. First, do we let the Bible overrule our thinking? Do you let the Word of God overrule your human, fleshly thinking? Are you considering some things in your life and you think, okay, I could do this, I could do that, or maybe pursue this, and then stop and say, okay, now I I need to hear what God says, and I need to let His Word guide me. If you're not, you're leaning on your own understanding. You're doing exactly not what to do as the Father speaks to the Son. Do you merely agree with the Bible 
or do you obey the Bible? If you merely agree with the Bible, then your response is not obedience, but coincidence. It's just that the prejudices that you have soaked up in the culture that you live in happen to line up in that area with what the scriptures say. It's just by coincidence. But if you're not leaning on your own understanding and you're allowing the word of God to transform you through the renewing of your mind, as Paul says in Romans 12, if you're letting God change you from the inside out and you're living life and you're not leaning on your own understanding, and this is what it's so hard to live in a culture that we live in that celebrates independence, Because God is calling us to complete dependence. That we need Him every hour. That His Word will uphold us even in the most difficult times. So do not lean on your own understanding. The third command is in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Now there's that word all again. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Not just when it's convenient. This word acknowledge means to take note of. The more you are in the Scriptures, the more you will see just how much God has said about your life. It's truly amazing. There is never a moment, and I shouldn't be surprised by this, but there is never a moment when I read God's Word where I walk away and think, And I didn't learn anything new. I continually find myself overwhelmed with the grace of God that He shows me new areas of how His Word applies to my life. To acknowledge God in all your ways is to have fellowship with Him through the way you live your life. It's not just a tip of the hat. It's not just a, okay, God, that's for you. You know, like when we quickly pray before a meal, even though we're starving, we think, okay, I I know I need to do this because that's what Christians do. I'll acknowledge you before I eat this. It's a complete understanding that the Lord is to be pursued and the counsel of his word is to be applied in every area of your life. In everything that you do. And what's the conditional promise? He will make your path straight. It's conditional. We want straight paths. Straight paths in the time that Solomon wrote this phrase were very important. There were not many straight paths in the B.C. ancient world. Everything was hilly and rocky and windy and curvy and all those things. A straight path removed all the impediments, all the obstacles... You wanted straight paths. This means that God will make the course of such a person's life truly successful in his eyes. It's a promise of of one's life experience. It doesn't mean that you will never make, make a mistake, but it does mean that if you trust God and seek to live for him with your life, he will do everything that he can to make your path straight. He will. He's not going to try to trip you up. God is not like Lucy and Charlie Brown. He's not saying, hey, it's time to kick the football, and at the last second, he's going to pull, pull the football out of the way. He's not going to do it. He's going to do everything 
that he can to make your path straight when you trust him. And if he can do everything that he can, everything, that's, that's certainly good for our lives. Because even if he did a little bit of what he could to make our path straight, that would be enough. And can I just say, and I'm trying to be as gracious as I can, that maybe some of you are facing the trials that you are facing in your life right now because you are not trusting in the Lord with your whole heart. We have to come to grips with that as we read a passage like this. You see the turns and bumps and obstacles, and you think, why is this so hard? Maybe you're leaning on your own understanding. And maybe that you're not acknowledging Him with all that you are. Listen, God did not invite you into a partnership with Him when He saved you. He didn't say, okay, I want to come into your life and save you, and so we're going to work like 50-50. Just, you know, trust me for the hard things. You figure out the rest of the things. It's not a partnership. He saved you because He knew that you are, that I am, really good at messing up my life, our lives. And so what did he do? He reached down from heaven and he rescued us through the blood of his son so that we could have the ability to live the life that he has always created us to live. But it's going to take us having full faith in him, turning every action over to him, running every thought and deed through the filter of his word, and he will make our path straight. So let me just look at verses 7 and 8. We're going to wrap up this morning. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. We could have gone forward in this passage, and so maybe today you can read through the rest of Proverbs 3. Um, But when we look at these verses, I, I wanted to look at them just for the very simple fact that it's the opposite of trusting in the Lord. Verses 7 and 8 is the the opposite argument of trusting in the Lord. It's a spirit of self-assurance. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. You know what it means to fear the Lord and turn away from evil? It means that you hate sin and call sin for what it is. That you don't play with it, that you don't make it a pet in your life, that you don't, you know, just say it's not a big deal. That the horror of the sin of your life is in contrast to the holiness of God that you know to be true. That you fear God and turn away from evil. You repent. What is the reward? It will bring healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. This must mean that some of our aches and pains aren't because we are out of shape alone. Do you see that? There is trouble that is visited on our human condition when we trust ourselves. When we live according to our 
wisdom. It could mean we're spiritually out of shape. David said that his bones quaked or ached when he was running from God. And so church, the invitation is wonderfully simple. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. If you haven't done that today, what's holding you back? Like for real, how many of you want to have length of days and years of life and peace that comes from God? I do. You got to trust Him. And you can do that right now where you are. You can simply ask God to help you right now. God will not turn you away and He will not disappoint you. And so let me pray for you as we ask Him to apply His Word in our hearts.